Hey, we're back. It's only been, I don't know, two years. <laughs> I think it has been about two years. Uh, it's Trina and Renee, and we are podcasting again. Uh, except this time, we are not going to have a review yet of Bird or World of Fashion, because I haven't gotten my March issue. Which is a tragedy. I told you that I was missing one of my issues last year. I got lost in the mail or something. I freaked out because I need to have a complete collection. And it's so funny with Berta because I I haven't been sewing as much as I used to, but in general, like, it's still my go-to. Like, I hardly ever look at big four. So, like, I cannot not have a part of my collection. Even if I never sew from that issue, I'll, I'll confess to you that I actually, before I heard back from GLP, went on Etsy and bought the issue, and then GLP sent me a replacement issue. But I was like, I don't even care. It was totally worth having two issues just to make sure I wasn't missing one. But you remember when that guy at my office threw away like three or four of my Bertas? Like, I was on the <laughs> internet faster than you can imagine and like ordered every single one because I was like, no! No! <laughs> well, I guess we should give sort of an explanation for why we've been on an uh, unintentional hiatus. Do we even have an explanation? Um, laziness, I guess. <laughs> it's a real pain to record and edit them. I know. But um, sometimes I'll be in my car and have my iPod on shuffle, and I'll start to hear my voice, and I'll say, who is that really annoying? Oh, that's me. That's me. That's me. <laughs> For me, it's more like, they let a chipmunk on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a lot to talk about this time, I think. So we've got to get people a little bit caught up. That's true. I, well, I think the first thing to talk about is sewing machines. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. well, uh, you first, because I think yours is kind of a really funny story. Well, I don't think it's funny so much as sweet. Um, so my mom has or had or something, a Bernina Record 930. And that's the sewing machine I learned to sew on. And I had no idea I had it so good when I was learning to sew because that machine is like butter. And so you know how much I love my Bernina 1008. Yes. You like when cried when I loaned you my poor little Kenmore. <laughs> but seriously, when I would go home and sew on my mom's record, my Bernina 1008 felt like a tin can Hyundai next to a BMW. <laughs> so um, her machine started giving her trouble and she took it to a dealer in her area who told her that it had to be sent back to Switzerland and it would cost $750 to fix. Which so is bananas. I, it's bananas and I think they're total scammers so I'm not going to say the area that she's in or their name, but they are total scammers. So I sent her $750 because I didn't want her to just get rid of the machine. And so after six months of her bugging them and them ducking her calls, they finally told her that Bernina Switzerland told her the machine couldn't be fixed and they were just sending it back. And I was like, that machine has never left their back room, much less the country. <laughs> I mean, but it's such BS. We sent it to Switzerland and they couldn't fix it. It's like, <laughs> did they send you that note in German? Ridiculous. <laughs> And they refunded the entire $750. If they had spent $200 shipping that machine back and forth from Switzerland, they would not have refunded her the entire $750. But luckily for us, 
there is a reliable sewing machine repair person in Baltimore. Oh. And we will say their name because their sewing machine repair guy is a miracle worker. Statham, S-T-A-D-H-A-M, write that down. And if you're anywhere in the Baltimore, D.C. area, you must use these people. They are, anyway. They're really great. They're so great. Anyway, so I brought the machine home with me after the holidays, which was an adventure in itself because it's a heavy machine. <laughs> you know what those metal gears weigh? They weigh a lot of a lot. And she has the star of the hard-sided case. And so I'm carrying like this 50-pound machine and a hard-sided case in my hands, and I had to stop every few minutes. So getting it home on the airplane was fine. Then I took it on the train to Baltimore and walking to the train from the station, I had to like literally stop and put the machine down and like <laughs> for a minute until finally this dude was like, can I help you? And I was like, it's really heavy. But then he had to be all manly and pretend like it wasn't really heavy. And he carried it the rest of the way onto the train. Wait, this wasn't, this was not the <laughs> night of my bachelorette party. No, that was a different sewing machine exchange. That was when you brought me my serger that he fixed. Oh, that's I'm a sewing machine mule. You are. So anyway, Statham had it for what, like a month, maybe six weeks at the most, and got a call that it's fixed. It is. For and significantly less than $750. So right now, Renee, you have my machine, but you refuse to try I it. And refuse. why is that? I, so here's my thing about my machines. I had it I knew I was gonna I knew I was gonna be getting engaged. So I and in case you didn't know I got as married now, but I knew I was getting engaged. And at the back of my head, and this is so devious, I, I can't believe I'm admitting this out loud, I started stockpiling sewing machines because I knew I wanted a cover stitch. I knew I wanted to get like a baby lock with jet air threading. And I thought Golly, you know, once you get married, you have to kind of discuss with somebody if you're going to spend five hundred to a thousand dollars on a new sewing machine. So I like burrowed down and just started buying stuff. So I bought, <laughs> I bought those two machines, and then when I um when I went home when I went to see my uh, parents back in when I went home in December, I brought back a sewing machine that I had had at my parents' house which is, it's a beautiful Singer 301 straight stitch. I have a featherweight, fantastic machine, lovely, also a straight stitch. And I have like a three-quarter size Kenmore that does a zigzag. But I do not want to sew on a Bernina that is vintage and mechanical that is also full size and zigzag because I cannot spend $1,000 on a new sewing machine. Like I... I counted up how much money I spent last year on sewing. And honestly, if you just kind of follow my blog, you could probably piece the numbers together. I cannot justify spending that much <laughs> of my net income on a new machine. So it's staying in the box until you come and pick it up in March. Understandable. But then when I come and pick it up in March... I will be at a serious dilemma at that point because it's, it's my mom's machine and she bought a replacement machine because she was told by her scammy dealer that the machine was not fixable. Um, but it's really hers. Uh, I feel that it's yours now. 
I mean, I'm not an attorney counselor, but like, didn't she give it to you? She did give it to me, but if it's really restored, I'll, I'll have to ask her if she wants it back. But this time I'm going to buy a freaking cart that I can use to carry that heavy. I know. Rather than try to carry it in my hand. Oh, I should loan you my, I should loan you my, I can't even imagine. (laughs) I don't even think it'll fit in my case. Otherwise, I would load it to you. Yeah, I don't think it will fit in your case. And it was really nerve-wracking to transport it because it's too big to be put in an (gasps) overhead bin. So I had to check it. That, I would cringe. I would cringe. I I packed it. Well, the hard side of case is obviously designed for it, so it's really good. I shoved my yoga pants in there (laughs) as padding to make sure it couldn't move at all. And then when I got it, TSA had opened the case, and the uh, power cord was missing. Whether or not it fell out when TSA opened it is a question, but yeah. So transporting it again by plane back to Texas is a scary thought maybe that's my excuse you know that's actually interesting because when I brought the singer 301 back from Tampa um and they took it out in the airport like they took it out they swapped it down they flipped it they ran it through the x-ray and I anytime I fly with a sewing machine there's always some conversation had with me about how somebody's grandmother or mother used to sew and they wish they could sew so honestly well Honestly, like it's a great conversation starter, but yours is way too That's big. That's true. Yours is way too big yeah, to it's fly too overhead. Big. When I took my serger on the metro to get it fixed, it was a good, a very attractive man sat next to me and started asking me about it. Like, I think he may have been very attractive to other men as well, but, but it was, you know, a nice and, conversation. And piece. to be fair, you have a very attractive man now, so, you know, no looks. Well, that, that leads us to our next topic, which is. Um, now that you're married, you are doing all of this selfless sewing. I will tell you, my boyfriend gets a pair of novelty boxers for his birthday <laughs> and for Christmas, and that is only because he would otherwise wear really boring boxers. Well, but you are doing actual sewing for your husband. I am. I So, I mean, I think probably the last time we podcasted, I made my grand decree how I wasn't going to sew for anybody without a ring on my finger. <laughs> <laughs> So now, now there is a ring on my finger. Um, and I, I, it's, it's not that I want to sew for him so that he can have things that I made and be able to tell people, but like without getting too like psychological about it, but, or philosophical, um, I think gift giving, gift giving is such a personal thing and I don't want to give gifts just because you're like supposed to. And so I want to give things that are thoughtful and useful and helpful. And if there's something I can do, it's, it's sewing. So like making him something really kind of makes me feel good. And he's like, he's just always, whenever we're out and somebody says they like something I'm wearing, he's the first person to tell them that I made it. And he's like really proud of me. And like, that feels good. So I thought, okay, uh, I'm going to make him stuff. Cause I'm going to be honest with you. He just finished law school and his clothes are terrible. <laughs> terrible. My like, boyfriend has been out of law school for over a decade and things have not improved in the clothing <laughs> department. But it's this weird thing like with dudes. You're like, can you have <laughs> undershirts that aren't pit stained and with holes? And so like I think for Valentine's Day last year, I got him like ten pairs of undershirts. 
Like I was like, eh, happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's um, romantic. And yeah, I know. I've turned into my mother. And so I decided, so a couple things, like I make him boxers now. I use a really great Jolly pattern that is currently discontinued, but you can find it online. It's a knit boxer brief pattern. And I use like um, athletic fabric to make them and they're really great and he loves them. Um, and right now, and I would ultimately also like to start making his undershirts and basic t-shirts because I think that they could fit well because he's sort of broad shouldered and a little bit more narrow through the hip and like long waisted. But right now I'm working on Hot Patterns 2004 and it's called the Hemingway Wind Cheater. And it's a really great jacket that's based off of sort of like a old school windbreaker made out of wax cotton. And I've seen something similar for about $700. And I think using like this beautiful mood waterproof fabric, um, I'm probably going to be able to make it for about a hundred. And it's, I just, I think it's going to look really stunning on him, but men's clothes are so much easier to fit. Like my main alteration was making a broad back adjustment. I was like, this is it. No FBA, no suede back, no big booty. I'm done. So well, you said that you needed to put it on him to figure out where to put the drawstring for the waistband and I was like do men even have a waist and like it's so funny to me that he cares he's like oh I think it might make me look boxy and I was like it's what it's men's clothes what <laughs> I it doesn't make sense to me so it's probably my inglorious return to sewing because I honestly haven't sewn anything from scratch I think since uh early August so this is this is a big return to sewing for me that's good. And yeah. it's for someone else. I don't know what's wrong with you, sister. <laughs> well, remember you and I were talking about shirts. I was like, what do you think is a reasonable amount to pay for like a USA made shirt? La, la, la. Because that's one thing he does care about is he's kind of passionate about, you know, handmade or um, US produced products. He's got this whole anti-China thing, which I'll leave alone for another day or a whole other topic um for a different kind of podcast because like i bought him five shirts from costco for 25 dollars each uh when he started working because i'm like you have to have work shirts but i don't think i would put the time into making like a wardrobe of work shirts for him no i think the difficulty of sewing for men is that they won't accept any imperfection and men's clothes although boxy require a level of precision that women's yeah. clothes don't I think that's the challenge with menswear. Actually, that's really true. Like the edge stitching and the top stitching and the flat bell and like women's clothes. I'm like, sorry, and the sharp great. corner of the collar and the sharp corner of the sleeve placket and the sharp corner of the yeah, cuff. I'm already falling yeah, asleep. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't do novelty boxers, but that's a good idea. Maybe that's what I'll start to do after oh I gosh. get some basic he has tees so done. Many cute novelty boxers. Do you ever post pirates them? <laughs> and cowboys and foxes? I don't even know. What and he'll be he really cute sometimes. Like he'll leave them on top of the laundry basket just so you yeah. like know so that you know he's. I, wear them. I think that's really, that's, yeah. that's really sweet. That's really sweet. But that's part of the reason why I guess I'm backtracking slightly. But that's one of the reasons why I got the cover stitch. Because I figured I was making a lot more like the boxer shorts out of the knits. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be making t-shirts. And so I got a cover stitch, a blind hammer, and a new serger were my three big sewing machine purchases. That's, that's reasonable. <laughs> I'm 
only three. In a year, actually, like within three year. months. But yeah. So, what about this winter? This winter on the East Coast it's has been stuck. terrible. It sucks. It sucks. Yes. So bad. I've been wearing my um, Melton wool trench coat. I've worn that long trench coat more in the last this past winter than I probably have in the three years it's been sewn. Yeah, I made a, a long time ago for Barack Obama's first inauguration, I which it was 19 degrees. I spent the weekend before the inauguration frantically making a giant purple coat that is interlined with fleece. I wore it for about three weeks straight during the polar vortex and I was so happy to have it. Um, but so has it made you plan anything for future polar vortices? Well, I have to be honest with you. Yeah. Because as much as I liked that, I love my Melton wool trench. It's a heavy coat. It's a long coat. And I think I need to have like a J crew style Dutch lapel um, knee length coat for work um, for what it's, Polar vortex-like weather, but I don't want to have something that can hit and drag the ground, if that makes sense. So next winter, yeah. I'm definitely going to make like a professional coat like that. I have some heavy wool melton and stash. And once I actually cut into it, only at that point am I allowed to order, uh, what's that, thinsulate. Because Lord knows, I don't need to buy some thinsulate and store it for the next five years. All right, I'm going to be honest. But I'm going to make a thinsulate lined, again, professional tailored looking coat. Because the purple coat is warm. It's like wearing a sleeping bag, both in its level of warmth and its appearance. So, <laughs> it's a little less like a sleeping bag. So I'm a little embarrassed to admit I have five yards of thinsulate that is still wrapped up in its original packaging <laughs> that I bought three or four years ago. And that is why I will not buy it. Oh. It's still I, I actually cut out the wool melting coat. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> and we've both been, in addition to the cold weather, it's been a wet weather winter with our with all the snow and rain and ice and sleet and wintry mix that we've been getting. And so we're both kind of on a waterproof kick. Yeah. Yes, I got. <laughs> we are the worst enablers of each other. Like we, we should, are terrible. We should like not be allowed to talk about fabric. But I bought from Fabric Mart a um, water repellent poly wool blend coating that I want to make like a big rain poncho from, mostly for walking the frigging dog. When I take Linus out and it's pouring rain, I just want something where it all rolls off of me and has a big hood and I can keep my um, arms covered. And it was like such a good price. What was it, like $4 a yard? Yeah, the wool, the double-faced wool. Yeah. Yeah, it was something crazy. It's wonderful. Was it even two fifty? dollars I think it was so cheap that I was like, how can you not buy it, Trina? You must buy it. You must buy it. The only caveat, if anybody else bought it, is definitely iron it on the fuzzy wool side because I burned a hole right through it when I was working with it. But it, it's for it's for my husband's jacket, so I just it, I just fray checked it and was like, eh, he'll be fine. <laughs> well, and then I enabled you into buying some of that Marc Jacobs nylon. You almost system. did. So here's what happened. I went oh, to... Did I not talk you? You talked me into buying five yards of double faced wool, and I can't even. Talk I can't help your weak spirit. I <laughs> went down in my basement. 
uh, to get something and I saw that on the floor I have a red oh gosh what's it called when it's got little window pane um ripstop hmm ripstop yes I had red ripstop downstairs that I had bought at a warehouse sale <laughs> and I was like I am saved I am saved I don't have to buy it I am saved I have red rain coating <laughs> Well, so I need to make a very lightweight trench. I don't even want to line it because we have such rainy springs here in D.C. And and I have not one but two technical, very athletic-y raincoats, but I want a cute, just regular raincoat. Yeah, I need to do something about that, too. I haven't really sorted it out in my head. Maybe I'll use my ripstop and copy you and be like, mm. So another change that came with getting married was the location of your sewing room. <laughs> Guys, let me let me share some wisdom with you. It would have been inane for us to have bought a new place because I already owned a home and it was three bedrooms that I have over the last 10 years, like an octopus just spread my tentacles. I'm like a goldfish. I grew to be the size of the house that I was in. <laughs> Having to move my sewing room from a basement up into an actual contained room was like the most traumatic experience. It is honestly one of the reasons I didn't sew for months because I felt like I was in chaos, in absolute chaos. I um, I got lucky though, and at a place called Second Chance here in Baltimore, found an old office unit that fits perfectly in my room. It's sort of an orange color, which is great because the guest room was orange and cream. And there's so much storage. There's so much counter space. I can have all of my machines out. But I, I'm going to, in a moment of truth, because I'm still not done folding my fabric and putting it all away, <laughs> I am literally horrified at the amount of fabric I have. Like, I can look and see what I have and realize I will never sew every single piece that I have. I And I think that's true. That said, I don't want to get rid of any of it. I think it, I mean, people say it tongue in cheek, but I think it's not so terrible to consider yourself part sewer and part fabric collector. <laughs> I, my problem with my fabric is every piece I look at in my mind, I know what I'm going to do with it. Actually, I'm saying a problem. I actually think that's a good thing that like, I know what it is that I want to do with my fabric. I know, like I, when I turn and now and look, I see this red and white stripe fabric knit and a blue and white stripe knit. I know that I want to make Breton tops from them. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah. We all just need more time more time but I think I I think I do have more fabric than you I really don't want to get into that contest <laughs> because that's a contest where the winner is really the loser and I'm afraid that I would be the winner <laughs> <laughs> what is the law joke that um you winning becoming a partner is like a pie eating contest where the prize is more pie. Yes. I feel like becoming a great seamstress is like that. The prize is more fabric. Like there's just more, <laughs> there's just always more. I mean, but I don't. Is it terrible when you say the prize is more fabric? I'm like, Ooh, do we get to choose the fabric? <laughs> what are my options? Um, <laughs> but like, it's great. I mean, the good thing about that is when um, it's like cooking, when you go into your kitchen, you can just find everything you need to make an ingredient and it's nice 
that when you go to sew something, like when I'm making this jacket for my husband, like I needed a metal zipper. Oh, look, I have some because I bought a bunch when I was in China. Oh, I need some tool tape. Oh, I've got some because I bought a bunch when I went to Canada. Like there's there are things around and, and there's comfort to that. Um, my only fear is for like a hot second, we were talking about where we might move in a few years. And all I could think in my head was, what about my sewing room? I'm going to have to have a sewing room. Would I have to get rid of anything? Because that would be terrible. There's no getting rid. There's no going back, only forward. Only forward. So yeah, I'm happy. I can't wait till you see it. Hopefully you might have a t little bit of time when you come up next time and be able to have a look in here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. So you said that you were just coming back to sewing after a whirlwind of things both wonderful and terrible. Yes. Um, I went through a bit of a sewing slump too, which is really unusual for me. What, what was going on with that? I remember it felt like, because you to me were always like the prolific seamstress. Like there was just always constantly new content on your blog. Yeah. Well, I have such a backlog of projects. I could like not sew for two months and still have not enough, not have published everything. But yeah, it was really weird. I, at the end of the year, I had some reason, for some reason, not calculated my leave rights. So I had all this extra leave. I took two weeks off work and I was like, this is great. I'll spend a week with my family and then I'll spend a week just sewing. And I didn't sew a single thing. And we were talking about it. And I think I figured out the problem. So I have sewn a lot, right? And I have on Pattern Review over 300 reviews. And that's, I think I joined Pattern Review in 2007. And I've been sewing for most of my life. So I have made a lot of patterns. And I had reached the point where I had made enough patterns that I loved that most of the things I had planned were from patterns I'd already sewn. And I just didn't want to do that. I was just not excited by the idea of sewing something that I'd already sewn, even though I knew I would end up with a really cute result that I would love to have in my closet. That's so interesting. It wasn't enough for you that sewing was going to give you something new? Right. So apparently I am just not good with remaking stuff. I do have my TNT t-shirt and my TNT woven pullover t-shirt. And so there are so many things that I can do with that, with those. And I'm enjoying the pattern drafting, although it's hit or miss, surprisingly difficult. <laughs> um, and I like having those pieces to alter patterns, but I really like the challenge of trying to figure out something new. So, so I sort of scrapped the plans I had to keep sewing all the stuff I'd already made before, and I'm interspersing those with new patterns. Are you having to force yourself into new patterns, or are you, like, looking at things that are more complicated, or are you even, say, you know, saying, I'm going to try Marfie, I'm going to sew from Patronus, I'm going to do blah, blah, blah? That's not really it, because the other thing was, I didn't want to do boring sewing, but I just didn't have the energy to do complicated sewing. I'm on a big project at work that is taking up a lot of time and even more mental space in my head. So this weekend, I've been making a very simple Simplicity Dolman top, although it's designed to be made out of knit and I'm making it out of woven. Um, so it doesn't even have to be complicated. It just has to be new. Oh, that's so I interesting. have been... 
taking a lot of care over some of the things I've made, which I do not want to lose my slapdash reputation over this. Don't hold it against me. But I just made some wool pencil skirts for work. And wool, why does why does everyone talk about how much linen wrinkles and no one talks about how much I wool know, wrinkles? I know. It's Be- worse than linen. So don't you, I, one of my things is because I like actual vintage clothing, not necessarily sewing it, but like actual vintage pieces. Cause you know, I have to save all the vintage is I kind of just want to underline everything. And like, I have a, I have some pencil skirts in mine, but like I plan to underline them for structure and to cut down on the wrinkling. I know. So for these wool pencil skirts, I underlined them with silk organza. And to get underlining right, I've learned to my chagrin, you really have to hand baste it. <laughs> Do you remember when you laughed at me when I told I you I hand basted? You. You're like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I had to hand baste silk organza underlining and then do the lining as well. I still search things, so I'm not, and I there is no catch stitching down of seam allowances. I've never done that in my life. I did hand sew the hems though, since it was easy to sew it to the underlining only. If you were wondering what I was doing, I was taking a picture to Instagram and tell people we've got a podcast coming. (laughs) Wait a minute. I suggested doing a video and you were like, I'm not ready. You did not give me time for my close up. Oh no, it's fine. My camera's not that good. You're a little pixelated anyway. (laughs) Well, you better put a really heavy Instagram filter on. I will. I'll make us beautiful. So what? So, how many skirts did you do? I just did two. I had a piece of really gorgeous, super hot pink wool that I bought at the Exquisite Fabric going out of business sale. Um, Wait, Exquisite Fabrics in D.C. went out of business? Or they? I thought they just moved. Well, they're moving sale, but now they moved to Culpeper, Virginia. So oh, frankly, you're not going there. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, I got so many compliments when I wore it to work this week because it's super hot pink. And the other one is a yellow wool crepe that I haven't worn yet because it's part of my outfit for the uh, Inspired by the Movies contest on Pattern Review. Which is funny because prior to that, I was like, Trina, I because you had told me this whole thing by email about how you wanted to have more interesting patterns and you were looking for a challenge. And um, Jordan and I had just like tried to watch a whole bunch of the um, Oscar nominated films. And I realized, and I was like, Trina, here's what we should do. We should sew clothing inspired by all the Oscar nominated films. So like for American Hustle, we could do a wrap dress. And then for her, we could do something in orange and blue since they don't use blue. And you were like, um, pattern review already has a contest going on like now about inspired by the movies, so it would totally seem like we're copying. And I was like, idea deflated. <laughs> it was a good idea, though. We'll do it for next year. Maybe pattern review won't do it. <laughs> That's true. That is true. So that's what I've been doing. My wool pencil skirts and so the top I'm doing right now is very simple. It's the Simplicity Dolman Sleeve top, but it's out of a really beautiful silk charmeuse. So I'm doing uh I made self bias tape, which in its own to make the freaking bias tape takes like an hour and it's got French seams and all sorts of nice finishes. That's really cool. I look forward to the day when I'm sewing for myself again. 
<laughs> I suspect this. I suspect this little wind cheater jacket's probably going to take me another two or three weeks before I finish it. Well, because I hate to say this, but like spouses take up a lot of time. And the reason I hate to say it is because I remember when like I could produce all of this stuff and sometimes people would leave comments that were like, oh, I wish I had all that time, but I've got a husband and kids. And I would think, I wish I had a husband and kids and I didn't have all this time to sew. But now I find myself being like, I love having a husband and a dog, but I wish I had a little bit more time to sew. But but like you want to spend time with that other person. So sewing, sewing accidentally does become secondary. You made a strategic error, man. I did. I'm still not cleaning my house though. So I am saving time there. <laughs> but once the jacket is done it will be put to good use right yeah yeah we uh we booked a honeymoon we're gonna go to well one we bought a vespa so he's gonna be scooting to work so he could totally use a windbreaker in the spring and then um we booked our honeymoon to the netherlands and brussels where i am so excited i'm gonna be talking about this till we go in late august but uh, you and I had an awesome trip to the Netherlands on a bike and barge oh, it was trip. So fabulous! I like. I wish I could talk you into coming back on our honeymoon, but I guess that would be weird. <laughs> um, I feel that your husband might find that a little alarming. <laughs> oh, he's actually done plenty with us working. No, <laughs> I have to tell you guys, this is probably like I'm sort of veering, but like Trina. Um, came with me when my so I think most of you know who listened to podcasts that my mom passed away and Trina like packed up her little duffel bag and a sleeping bag and a like she was like a little union camping soldier and I came to New York with the us and we drove our mini cooper to New York and (laughs) Trina was with us for like four solid days and it was like there's uh no way that I can express to anybody how amazing it was to have her there. And I see now that I probably shouldn't have brought this up because I can't talk about it without getting emotional, but like it, it was like having your best friend with you who automatically knows what you need and automatically knows how to answer questions and to help you like through a really tough time. And in a lot of ways it was kind of great because um, I don't think you really kind of knew, knew Jordan before. And then we had like four days together where it was like, it was like the three musketeers. So I think he'd be open to it. I'd be a lot less emotional. So that would be the good thing. I wouldn't cry when the wind blows. So that would be helpful. So you should come. I'll be sleeping on an air mattress in the same room. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We did. It was the three of us in one room. He and I were on a twin bed. I'm like, I feel like I went to college all over again. So not that, never mind, I won't get into that. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so you should totally come along. So hopefully, like, I would like for him to have his jacket for that. But, you know, I miss his birthday and I miss Valentine's Day. So if I can get the jacket done by spring, we'll at least cover those two holidays. (laughs) When actually my plan was to have this made for freaking Hanukkah last year. So I'm doing pretty good. Oh, I forgot about that. Well, I only have one project on the table for my boyfriend, which is that... He, it was so cold during the polar vortex that he needed something to wear under his pants because on his walk to work, he crosses the key bridge and it's really windy and cold going over the river. And his 
he got for Christmas a couple of years ago these pajama pants, these flannel pajama pants printed with dogs. And so he told me that he wore the dog pants underneath his pants to work. You've got to be kidding me. And I said that, oh, it was hilarious. He's like, when I first put them on, the dog pants got pulled up to my knees until I figured out that you have to tuck them into your socks. To keep <laughs> <laughs> so I ordered the merino wool to make him an underlayer for to go under his pants on polar vortex day so i i just need to uh get that done before next winter well i think i have to sort of acknowledge now that gus woolens my go-to source for under armor fabric has closed um i know so tragic and i mean i the good thing about being a fabric hoarder is i probably have two or three pieces of their stuff left um of the of the cold gear and then I have like one or two pieces still from Susie's Susie Susie Plex in Montreal. Susie Spandex. Susie Spandex in Montreal. With believe me, every intention of talking my husband into taking a vacation back to Montreal explicitly <laughs> so I can get both poutine and more of their cold gear fabric. Um, but because of the scooter, I need to make him some like sort of long underwear something too, but I'm going to work on the jacket first and then I'll be sewing for me, me, me. What's your next thing for you? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I have, I have a black tie event in April. Um, so I might make something for that. Um, but right now, nothing really. Uh, I'll probably honestly do a big push of sewing for our honeymoon um, like what we did when we went to the Netherlands, just the things that are good for, you know, biking during the day that are good and wicking, but that also look cute. I, I think I would like to do instead of the um, jolly skirt, I'd like to have like a biking dress I think would be really cute. And then I could just wear like little cover ups on top of it when it cools down. I think that would be neat. That would be cute. Yeah, I think so. Um, my searcher just got threaded in gray because the top I'm working on is a silver silk and Berta a couple of months ago published a wrap skirt that has an exposed zipper in the front and oh, I have a really nice gray wall yeah I'm, I think it'll be a very cute skirt how much longer do you think it's going to be this cold and we can start sewing for spring and summer oh, I don't know I'm so ready for that <laughs> I don't know Uncle Tony Phil saw his shadow I hate that animal I hate that animal. He sees his shadow every year. What's the point of having a groundhog if he sees his shadow every year? <laughs> well, I promise, though, the next time we come back on podcasts, though, we will hopefully have some birder reviews. We won't recap the whole year, but I think we can talk a little bit probably. We might be able to talk a little bit about how birders has changed some in the last year, I think. Yeah, there's a lot to discuss. I just need to, comes to track down my March issue. Darn it. Good luck with that. Thank you. I'm probably going to buy it on eBay. <laughs> well, until next time, I think we say keep on stitching. Oh, oh, it's so nice to hear you say that again. Say it one more time. <laughs> keep on stitching. Keep on stitching, guys. We'll talk to you soon.